0: Welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. Um, I'd like you to do this with me. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and we're going to talk some more about what we talked about last week. We're going to talk about messing up the devil's plans. Does that sound good to anybody? 2 Corinthians chapter 11, let's just pray again. Father, as we get into your word further tonight, help us to see what we need to see. Open our eyes. Reveal to us powerful things that will make a difference in our lives and everyone we meet. Show us truth, Lord, that makes free. Help us take the next steps of our life and ministry. We believe you're helping us powerfully and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, we're going to go ahead and break in again right here at verse 14. So Paul, by the Holy Spirit, says, No marvel... For Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Okay, that's a very interesting verse because when we think of the devil or we think of Satan, a lot of times a Hollywood image will pop into your mind. A grotesque boogeyman, you know, uh, fangs and and drool and fire and pointed tail and... and but this scripture gives us some amazing revelation of the truth about the devil. Now, I want to say this before we go any further. A lot of people, they just, we lose them right here. We, you mentioned the word devil, you mentioned the word Satan, you just lose them. They, oh, I, I don't want to believe it. that's a myth, or I don't want to talk about that. Well, the Bible talks about the devil. Jesus talked about the devil. God talked about the devil all, all through the scriptures. Now, you can go too far and emphasize things too much, but if you just talk about scriptures, how can that be wrong? This is God's word. But, the Bible says, Jesus said, If you continue in my word, you're my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Well, when we know the truth about the devil, it didn't say to make you afraid. It says knowing the truth will make you free. Now, hearing people who don't know scriptures talk about the devil may make you afraid because they don't understand scriptures. Or watching some crazy Hollywood movie may try to make you afraid but if you know the truth about the devil and you're a believer in Jesus absolutely zero to be afraid of I actually got a revelation many many years ago decades ago when I first got saved and I found scripture to back it up I knew it was true I, I, heard, I heard somebody say this uh, I was hearing a sermon somebody said I used to be afraid of the devil until I found out he was afraid of me I thought what? I've been afraid of the devil all my life. you telling me he's afraid of me? Well, no, not, not you in and of yourself. But if you're a born-again Christian and the greater one lives in you, and you have access to the name above every name, well, why would you be afraid of him? He would be afraid of you. He's already come up against that name. He's already come up against the Christ. He's already come up against God. He's already come up against the greater one. So, we've been talking about messing up the devil's plans. Now, most people are thinking, oh, devil, don't, don't mess with me, don't mess with me. How about we just mess up his plans? We, did you see our, our sign out front? The Lord gave us that phrase many years ago when we were in the old Southern Sound Building. Remember, we bought the building down there and turned it into a World Harvest Church. He gave me a phrase. He said, put it on the marquee. Just put we had a marquee down there. Here, we've got an LED sign. When the devil hits, hit back. Right? I mean, what an attitude change, right? When the devil hits, go, no, not go run and hide. When the devil hits, hit back. With what? The name of Jesus. Scriptures, like Jesus, it is written, and quote the word of God against the thing he's trying to put on you or lie to you about. It is written, and bang, hit him back. The Bible says that words are like the piercings of a sword. Spiritual warfare has a lot to do with words. Actually, when Jesus comes back as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, it says a sharp two-edged sword comes out of his mouth and he smites all the wicked people who don't want to, you know, who, who are eternally damned. I think it's interesting that words are like, are like swords in the spirit realm. And that's why you've got to watch about these words coming to your mind that are trying to bind you because if you let them penetrate you, it's like a sword going into you. You know, fiery darts. That's, this is real stuff. These darts are real in the realm of the spirit, and the only thing able to quench them is the shield of faith. And the enemy is constantly trying to throw things our way to get them to stick in us and to mess our lives up. But I think it's time we mess up his plans. So this scripture says, No marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Now, this is a really interesting scenario. Everything that's bright is not right. There's a false light. Now, we know the same Bible says God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. But this scripture says no marvel for Satan himself has transformed himself into an angel of light. He's not an angel of light, but he's real tricky He knows what human beings like. He's been around them for 6,000 years. He knows what makes us tick. He He knows things about the human. Really, we're no match for the devil intellectually. He's been around a lot longer than we have. He's got us beat just by, you know, existence. But the way we win over him every single time is with this truth right here. He has no defense for the Word of God. This will tell us what's real versus what feels real. This will tell us what's right versus what feels right. This will tell us what's really good as opposed to what just seems good. Because a lot of people, the devil knows, he can't just come in with the demonic. He's got to come in with stuff that we Feel is okay. He's got to come against us with stuff that maybe has a little bit of brightness about it, or a little bit of feel good, or a little bit of beauty. Or he, he, knows, he, he knows anybody's going to resist an ugly creature saying, I'm going to kill you. But, that's not how he comes. Can I tell you some of the devil's favorite words to get your attention? And to get you off into a lie subtly? Can I tell you some of his favorite words? God loves you. He got your attention, didn't he? Now, see, those are great words. That's by words. But, 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 his, If you keep listening, sometimes you hear this: "God loves you." You're being ripped off. God wants you happy. You should get out of your marriage. You're not happy anymore. God loves you. He wants you happy. You should go ahead and get a divorce. Yeah, the kids will be hurt a little bit, but they make it. It's a day and age, right? Do, do you see how subtle the devil is? He'll come to you. He's not going to come to you with some dark, gross message. He's going to come to you with something that appeals to your desires, that appeals to your flesh, that appeals to your emotions. And so many people are not resisting the devil because they don't recognize who he really is and what he's really up to. Angel of light? Are you kidding me? I've heard testimony of people who who a being of light appeared to them in their bedroom. They were struggling with a disease that the person and, and the being of light, it was bright. The whole room got light. And the being of light said, I'm here from the Lord and it's not his will to heal you. And the light disappeared. And the person thought, wow, that was God. And he saw, I think he was talking to Brother Hagan, one of our spiritual fathers, about it. And Brother Hagan said, well, I'll tell you right now, that wasn't God. The Bible says, by Jesus' stripes you were healed. The Bible says, Jesus took your infirmities and bare your sicknesses. How could he not want you healed when he already bore your sicknesses and carried your diseases in the court of Pontius Pilate? How could he not want you healed? And the, the man finally realized, oh... So that wasn't a real angel from heaven? No, that was the devil masquerading himself, trying to fool this person into dying young with a disease he could have been healed of. So somebody tell me again. We talked about this last week. What's the number one way to know the difference between what is right and what feels right? Aren't you glad you have the book? oh man I've, i, I don 't know i think i 've worn out dozen a dozen or two bibles since i 've been a christian. These books are meant to get into underline score highlight read right should be tear stains on pages at times right because you go to this book anytime a trial comes your way right and the only way it 's like a pilot it 's like an airplane pilot you have to you have to be instrument rated if you're going to fly at nighttime or if you're going to fly in clouds or any kind of weather. You have to be instrument rated. There's times, instrument rated pilots, from what I know, I've known some pilots who are, um, they they have to re- be able to fly a plane without looking out the window. They may feel upside down. But if the horizon indicator says they're right side up, they they hold the yoke just right there. They may feel like They're going like this, or like this. But an instrument rated, feelings mean Zippo. (laughs) You better look at the gauge, and you better make sure you're following what the instruments are telling you, or you will hit a mountain, or a building, or something. And we need to be Bible rated Christians. No matter what it feels like, seems like, looks like, smells like, If if the Word says it, then I believe it. No, but it feels like this. Well, the Word says something different but I feel this, but the word says something different. But this just seems right, but the word says something different. What should you go with, your seamer or the word of God? What should you go with? Church, this is how people make it and don't make it. Right here, we're talking about life and death right here. Life and death of marriages, life and death physically. Do you know how many people have messed up their lives because they went a direction that seemed good and felt good? Didn't even think to check it out with God. Didn't even think to go to the scriptures and find out if it was okay with the Lord. Do you realize God's got a plan for your life? (laughs) And that plan includes hope and a future and prosperity and divine protection. Let Let me tell you something. Believers, people who don't follow God's plan for their life... They encounter tests and trials the Lord never intended for them to encounter. People who don't follow God's plan for their life, they encounter tests and trials that God never intended them to encounter. What's it called? It's called unnecessary adversity. I don't want no unnecessary adversity. (laughs) Anybody want unnecessary adversity? Because I'll tell you how to get it. Just do your own thing. Never seek God. You will encounter tests and trials in your life that God never intended you to encounter if we're not following God's plan for our life. Now, let's do this. Um, I would like you to turn to that scripture again in Ezekiel. I believe it was Ezekiel 28. And we're going to move into something in just a minute, but I really sense the leading of the Lord to review just a bit here. Did you all see the words, angel of light? Would Would you say this? with me? Everything that's bright bright. is not necessarily right. right. See, what do we resist? The Bible says, submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. What do we resist? When do we start saying no? When do we put our foot down and say, no, I don't don't accept that? What what signs should you, I mean, should, should put you in the resisting mode? Well, it might be something bright. But unscriptural. I know this, there's um, and I don't know exactly how the devil does it, but thoughts will come to you at times from the enemy. That's why the Bible says pull down those strongholds, cast down imaginations, take every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. In other words, line it up with God's word, the Bible. And there's just the enemy is he's in the thought injecting business. You following me? He, He will come to you With a thought, let's say it's a crazy thought. Let's say it's a suicidal thought. Or don't don't freak out if these things happen. They happen to everybody. Billy Graham, they happen to everybody. It's just you need to know what to do with them. Here's here's a thought of the enemy. He'll inject a thought in your brain, something that's crazy, like "Whoa, where'd that come from?" And then he'll make you think you thought it. You're breaking up. You're mental. This is what the devil will say. You're breaking up. You're mental. I I was remembering a story. Uh, A guy was with some other ministers. They were on a really high building um, looking over the the city like 60 stories up or something like that. And they got to go on the outside, the deck on the very top where you're actually outside kind of like the Empire State Building. And um, they were up there looking down, you know. And uh, I know the Empire State Building has that gate and all, but this building didn't have anything, just a, a rail up probably about this high. And uh, they were looking over the side of the building. And this minister was just looking at the the city going, wow, we are way up here. He said a thought came to him, why don't you jump? Just out of the blue. Just totally out of the blue. Why don't you jump? He thought, but now think about it. This minister had been hearing the word like we're hearing the word. He knew what to do. (laughs) I thought this was interesting. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. So, so the thought says, why don't you jump? And the minister said, why don't you jump? <laughs> Talking to the origin of that thought, why don't you jump? Now, now this, this is, it's serious stuff because there are people that have heard those same thoughts. And they didn't know what you and I are learning. They didn't know what that minister knew. And the enemy would say, the enemy would say why don't you jump? And then the person goes, whoa. What happened? Where'd that thought come from? And the devil would be right there, going. It came from you. You thought that thought. Oh my, am I suicidal? Yeah, you're suicidal. You're suicidal. You need to get help. It's the devil. Every saint of God has had, has had unholy thoughts come to his mind in his life. Everyone. Jesus had those thoughts. Come on, do you remember? He's out in the wilderness fasting and praying forty days and forty nights. And the devil takes him on the pinnacle of the temple in Jerusalem and says, why don't you jump? Your angels will catch you up. They'll catch you. Throw yourself down. Throw yourself down. Well, Jesus knew the word. He knew that was the devil. He said, "Uh, devil, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. (laughs) What did he do? He hit him with the word. He hit him with scripture. And you have to realize a lot of those thoughts that come to you. Oh, let's take this for instance. Let's say you're struggling with an addiction. Let's say you're, you're falling repeatedly and you just feel terrible and you just don't feel like you're ever going to get free. A devil will be right there and say, yeah, you'll never get free. This ran in your family. It's running in your family. You're going to die with this thing. You're not going to get free from this. People need to recognize, wait a minute, that, that's That's not me. And it's definitely not God because he's into helping people and saving people. Sometimes you just got to go, I resist that thought in Jesus' name. I refuse to think like that. And then start quoting scriptures like, I have the mind of Christ. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. My faith overcomes the world. Jesus will never let me down. God's mercy endures forever. devil say, well, you messed up too many times. You, that, that You've just messed up one too many times. What should you do at a time like that? Well, quote the scripture you've been hearing in church. and Quote the scriptures you've been finding at home as you're reading your Bible. Because if you don't have scriptures in you, you're like a soldier in war with no weapon. I mean, that could be no fun. So in Ezekiel, I wanted to show you this just real briefly again in Ezekiel. We'll move forward a little further tonight as well. Did I say Ezekiel 28? So again, this gives us revelation of the devil eternity past... And uh, you know, uh, his fall, it says in verse 11, moreover the word of the Lord, is Ezekiel twenty-eight, eleven. the word of the Lord came unto me saying, son of man, take up a lamentation on the king of Tyrus, say unto him, thus says the Lord God, you seal up the sum, full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. Now let's stop right there. Full of wisdom. Now he's talking about the devil and we'll see that in a couple more verses here. <clears throat> devil is not stupid. Now, rebelling against God's pretty stupid, <laughs> okay? That's about as dumb as it gets, but he's not stupid in the sense of not knowing anything or not knowing how to, you know, devise or, you know, operate. It didn't say that the devil was the most powerful of the beasts of the field. It said he's the most subtle, trickery, wiles, deception, And this scripture says, okay, so if we're called to resist the devil and he flee from us, what are we waiting for? Well, something may be bright, but if it's not in line with scripture, it's not right, resist it. You don't just, the devil doesn't just manifest in fear. That's one way he manifests, but he manifests a lot of times in things that your flesh really likes. There's some things people don't want to resist because they feel too good. Well, everything that feels good is not good. <laughs> Can I get an amen? amen? Whether it's eating too much or in in the perversion area or whatever. Everything that feels good is not something we just open up to and say, Oh, hey, God wants me blessed. I guess I'll partake. So we, we see he's... Uh, manifested as an angel of light we see right here he's full full of wisdom perfect in beauty and we mentioned this last week again and i want to say it again tonight that the devil really you know that's his name after he fell lucifer was his name morning uh, day star i believe is what it's translated um he's not ugly his schemes and attacks a lot of times are very. Uh, what do I don't want to say attractive. To certain parts of our being, beauty. What? what who, who's going to resist beauty? Well, there's times we need to resist beauty. Things that feel wonderful, things that seem wonderful, things that are have some brightness about them, and and wisdom. He, he's. We talked a little bit about that last week. Verse 13, he says, You've been in Eden, the garden of God. That was talking about the devil in the garden of Eden. Every precious stone was your covering, the stardius, topaz, diamond, barrel, onyx, jasper, sapphire, emerald, carbuncle, gold. Workmanship of your tablets and of your pipes were prepared in you in the day you were created. had a lot to do with music. And that's why a lot of the music today is so corrupt and so wrong and so ungodly. And guys, you do realize that your ears are not trash cans. Just because the FCC approves it doesn't mean it's fit for your brain and your spirit. (laughs) I don't care if it says PG-13. There might be some stuff in there you don't want going in you. But, you know, he's He's involved with music. It says, You are the anointed cherub that covers. God said, I've set you so. You were upon the holy mountain of God. You walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created until iniquity was found in you. By the multitude of your merchandise, they filled the midst of you with violence. You have sinned. Therefore, I'll cast you as profane out of the mountain of God. I'll destroy you, O covering cherub. That's a, a class of angels. From the midst of the stones of fire. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. And he tries to get people to do this all the time. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You have corrupted your wisdom by reason of your brightness. I will cast you to the ground. I'll lay you before kings that they may behold you. You have defiled your sanctuaries by the multitude of your iniquities, by the iniquity of your traffic. Therefore will I bring forth a fire from the midst of you, and it will devour you. And I'll bring you to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold you. And all they that know you among the people shall be astonished astonished at you, and you shall be a terror, and never shall you be any more. Interesting. So, we see a lot here. How many of you see an ugly creature in this passage of verse? mean verse, we see just this grotesque boogeyman type monster in these verses. No, we don't see that. We see the opposite. And I just, I feel like the devil's getting away with way too much. I think people are being influenced at times. They're not recognizing it. Um, and, and the enemy knows if he comes in too fast you know, you'll just push them away. He's, he'll work on people for years just to get them off track, get them into something that later will just seal them in a fate that, you know, they wish they hadn't gone that, that route. How many of you realize nobody would go the wrong way if it felt like a wrong way? He has to somehow conjure up Something to make people feel like everything's okay and it ain't okay. You have to be smarter than your feelings. I know even sometimes in, in marriages or even in local churches, I've been around local church for, like I said, 34 years, and there's times that, you know, things happen in the church and people get disappointed or people get upset or angry or, or whatever, and a lot of times... <clears throat> it doesn't feel like it used to feel it's not as fun as it used to be it's maybe you know whatever things have changed and i've seen it happen in marriages time and time again I, i was just recently thinking again about something that we you know tried to help fix years ago the, the person said you know I'm I'm getting a divorce from my spouse I go well what what scriptural reason do you have did they commit adultery did they beat you did they you know hurt your kids what what what's the reason for a divorce I mean this is pretty serious stuff God said I hate divorce and and don't get me wrong there's there's way, there's sometimes you just can't put up with certain things any longer because of meanness or abuse or whatever but I said what what's what's the problem and I was expecting to hear something like well you know they've just been committing adultery on me left and right or um, you know, they just, they just been physically hurting me or, or, and, she, and the person said, well, I'm on I a divorce because I'm not happy. How many you know you shouldn't do what you feel like doing <laughs> and you shouldn't always say what you feel like saying? I wanted to say, uh, slash, you're supposed to be thinking about making them happy. Anyway, um, I thought, wow, somebody getting out of a marriage because they're not happy. Like happiness is some kind of God or something. Actually, happiness is supposed to come to you from the Lord. If you're where you're supposed to be in God, all the happiness you need is coming from Him. Jesus said, if you do these things I'm teaching to you, happy are you. And your joy will be full. Not if your spouse is perfect. If you do what I'm leading you to do, you'll be happy. Not if your spouse does what you want them to do. If you do, God says, what you should be doing, I'll make you happy personally. And happiness is a wonderful thing. The Bible is filled with it. The word blessed means happy. It's one of the definitions of blessed, is, is to be happy, and God wants us happy. But we're never supposed to try to get happiness out of our spouse. I mean, I've seen people, you've seen people, Just absolutely devastated when the person they loved passed away. Unexpectedly or whatever. Maybe it was expected, but they just just gone. They're zombies. They're out of it. That should never happen to a believer. Number one, if the person that passed away was a believer, you didn't lose them. They moved. They moved to heaven a few clicks before you. Amen. Jesus said the disciples were all sorrowful because he talked about dying on a cross. And I'll be be leaving you guys. I'm going to be going to the Father. And they got all sad. And the Lord said, you should rejoice. I said, I'm going to my Father. You should rejoice. Of course there's a degree of sadness. I mean, even when somebody takes off on a plane, we cry, right? We go for three months. (laughs) But they just moved to heaven. But it's interesting, though. You see people fall apart because... They put a person at a place in their life that only Jesus could fulfill. And if we put a person in a place in our life that only Jesus can fulfill, what's going to happen when they can't be Jesus? When they can't give you what only Jesus can give you? You'll be very disappointed, let down, sad, and maybe crippled for the rest of your life if they die and leave early. The Lord doesn't want us falling apart. He wants (laughs) us... We can't give that place inside of us to any human being. It's that's only for the Lord. Unless you want a lot of depression and sadness and extra problems in your life, never put somebody in your life in that place that only Jesus is able to handle. You're just setting yourself up for sorrow and hurt and sadness and stuff that sometimes people don't even get out of. See, we we believe there's a heaven. We believe when, when people that are born again die, they go straight up. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We believe that. We're Christians. And we know they're, they're where we're going to be in just a few. So, moving right along. Um, I want to, for the last couple of minutes, to say something about this. So turn with me to, hmm, we don't have much time left here. Turn to Mark chapter 10. Um, another thing that we have to be on guard for that the devil loves to do to people is what we're going to talk about now. And I'm going I'm to kind of give this a title in the positive as opposed to the negative. But let's read Mark chapter 10, and I'll tell you what I feel the Lord put on my heart for the rest of the time here. Mark 10... Now, if you're a born-again Christian, you have zero to be worried about and you have zero to fear. Now, if you're not a Christian, you do have some things to be afraid of. I mean, not being a Christian in this demon-infested, fallen world is not a safe place. And we encourage people get saved immediately. <laughs> okay, you don't want to wait another split second. Cry out to Jesus, confess Him as your Lord and Savior, believe that God raised Him from the dead, and the Bible says you'll be saved. So, in Mark chapter ten, I want to read this to you and then tell you why I read it. But it's such a great read here, you'll you'll love this. Mark ten, and let's look at verse forty six. It says, they came to Jericho, that's Jesus and his, his crew. They came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. So we got a blind man begging, and Jesus is passing by. And when Bartimaeus heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, now notice what he said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I want you to remember that phrase, have mercy on me. Is that a good prayer? Um, Before we read on here, can anybody just tell me real quick what mercy means? What what is the definition of mercy? Who said that? Mercy means we don't get something bad that we deserve. Mercy means I'm going to bless you, but you don't deserve it. I'm going to bless you with protection. I'm going to bless you with healing. I'm going, to, I'm going to give you something that you don't deserve. It's interesting what this man cried out for. He cried out for mercy, but he got healed of blindness. Do You think he would have said, Jesus, son of David, heal my blind eyes. Why did he say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me? And that led to his eyes being fixed. Well, number one thing that means is that there is a healing Mercy. And His mercy is for anybody on this planet that will tap into it. Mercies for all, healings for all. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Verse forty-eight. And many charged him that he should be quiet. They were saying, "Shut up, blind man! The master's passing by." You son. Of, and then he said, he cried the more a great deal. Don't you love it? People that make the Bible do strange things. <laughs> He didn't shut up like they all told him to. He cried the more a great deal. This man was in faith. He didn't care what people thought. You care too much what people think, you won't get your healing from the Lord. Sometimes you have to do things that look very untraditional. And Jesus stood still. He got his attention and commanded the blind man to be called. And they called the blind man saying unto him, be of good comfort, arise, he calls you. And the blind man, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answering and said unto him, Now specifically, blind man, what will you that I should do unto you? And the blind man said, Lord, here's my request, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go your way, your faith has made you whole. Oh, stop right there. What made him whole? Right. We know that Jesus fixed this man's eyes, but how did it happen? Jesus said his faith. It's interesting that Jesus pointed to the man's faith as how he got healed. Go your way. Your, your faith has made you whole. Can I ask you a question? Is faith passed away? I mean, is this something that was only for 2,000 years ago? No. Is faith passed away? Well, then healing hasn't passed away. This is something we have to really dr- get into people today because a lot, of, a lot of people have heard things that aren't true about this. Well, you know, these healings happened because, you know, Jesus was walking the earth back then. Well, Jesus is here today. He said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, he's in the midst of us, just you can't see him. Well, how, can I, how can I believe in something I can't see? Ever seen your brain? Do, do you believe you got one? Do you believe you got one? I mean, I mean How many never want to see your brain until you get to heaven, right? How many believe you've got a brain? <clears throat> have you ever seen your brain? No. You, we, how, many, how many of you believe that there are radio signals going through this auditorium right now? AM, FM, shortwave, whatever. Do you believe they're there? Well, it would be ridiculous to say they're not there. All you have to do is get a receiver, tune in, and you'll hear those radio waves. We believe in things we don't see all the time. Right? So he said, your faith has made you whole, and immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. So the reason I wanted to share this with you is because a lot of people, um, they're not praying like blind Bartimaeus because they're listening to a lie of the devil that's telling them they're unworthy to receive help from God. He's got people convinced. The enemy comes with these thoughts and these these feelings these suggestions or, or whatever and trying to make people just stop in their crying out to God like this man cried out to God because they just feel like, well I'm just not worthy God doesn't want me healed I messed up too many times I've sinned too many times I got angry today I cussed or I did this or I got drunk or I did this and the devil's right there say that's right that's right you unworthy worm you you can't receive anything from the Lord how many of you realize that it is not based on our worthiness that we receive help from God This man realized that and he got a miracle. Being healed of blindness is a major, major thing. And he got a miracle because he realized, this isn't, I'm not going to get healed because I'm worthy. I'm not going to get healed because I deserve it. I'm not going to get healed because I earned it. I'm not going to get healed because I'm a perfect churchgoer. I'm coming to the Lord for mercy. I'm I'm coming to get something from the Lord that he and I both know I don't deserve, but I believe he's good enough to give it to me anyway. And he got it he got it the very word mercy um, basically I think Bartimaeus we could interpret it like this he said Jesus please do something for me that I don't deserve and he got it where should our faith be to, count, to, to counteract these lies of guilt and these lies of condemnation, these lies that say, you can't receive help from the Lord. You've messed up too bad. You, you're going to have all kinds of problems come to you in this life because of your terrible mistakes. Friend, Jesus came to save sinners, to save us from our sins. He did a really good job. I mean, I mean he, he sat down. That means he's, he finished It's It's a great job. All that's left is to believe and receive. And I really think Bartimaeus could have prayed, please do something for me, Lord, that I don't deserve. And the Lord did. But if you want to hinder your ability to receive, think you need to earn it. Think you have to be good enough. Now, I will say this. Living right will help your confidence level to stay where it needs to be to receive from the Lord. And if you do mess up, I encourage you to say, Lord, immediately. I mean, you don't have to wait for confessional. You don't have to wait for Sunday. I just say, Lord, forgive me. I was rude and crude and mean to that person. I ask you to forgive me. Sometimes you, have, you want to ask people to forgive you too because you hurt them and they know you hurt them. But I, we encourage people, man, as soon as you know you missed it, just, just... Quietly if you have to if other people around, but if you're by yourself, just say, Jesus, I confess my sin. I acknowledge. I just blew it. I flaked out. And the Bible says if you confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Then what do you do after that? You go on like he didn't lie. You you say, Guilt, get out of here. God's faithful and just, He's forgiven me of my sins. But the devil will be right there to bring it up to you and say, No, 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 no. Yeah, it's not that easy. Uh, you've got to do some penance here. You've got to make up for the sins that you've committed. Now That's a lie. Jesus bore our sins in his own body on the tree. That's a past tense experience. He already set us free. Now, one more scripture before we close, and we have to close here. Go to Ephesians 6. Ephesians chapter 6. It's very interesting to me to see that two cases in the New Testament of healing where Jesus said great is your faith. Two cases of great faith. Jesus, he actually marveled. It takes a lot to get the Lord to marvel. But he told two people that they had great faith as they approached him for, for help. And both of these people Number one is the centurion in Matthew chapter 8 whose servant was dying. And the centurion came to Jesus and said, Lord, come help my, my servant. If you'll let, you know, just, just come help him. And, and actually the Lord said, I'll come and help him. And the man said, well, just speak the word only and my servant shall be healed for I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. Think about this. The man says, I'm not worthy you should come under my roof. And the end result is he had greater faith than anybody in, in all Israel. Jesus said. He was looking for that kind of faith in Israel, found it in a Roman soldier. His servant was immediately healed. And, and I thought, wait a minute. The man saying, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. And the Lord said that man had the greatest faith he'd ever met up to that point. Another woman, from a Syrophoenician woman, <laughs> coming from a place they're known for, you know, crazy things happening, living in all kinds of sin. She comes to the Lord on behalf of her daughter, who's grievously vexed with a demon Back at home, and Mama comes out and finds Jesus and says, Lord, have mercy on me. Well, the end of that story is, He says, Oh, woman, great is your faith. Be it unto you even as you want. And the Bible says her daughter was healed in the self same hour. The demonic stuff stopped. She was set free. And I thought, wow, both instances they asked for mercy. Both instances they realized, we don't deserve this, but we want it, Lord. We believe you're that good. Isn't that amazing? So in Ephesians chapter 6, we will close with this one, Ephesians 6, and it says in verse 10, now Paul's talking to every Christian here, and and don't get caught up with the the actual armor here, but remember these are attitudes, these are spiritual attitudes and they're um, principles of the word of God. It says, finally brethren, be strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might. In other words, lean heavily on the Lord. Don't just try to do it all yourself. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, believer, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints are all believers. So if you look here at this verse in um, verse 14. Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Somebody tell me, what is that breastplate breastplate supposed to protect you from? Anybody else want to say? What is the breastplate of righteousness supposed to protect you from when it comes to fiery darts of the devil? The big, the big thing that it's to protect you from is condemnation. Guilt of past sins you've already asked the Lord to forgive you for. You got to put on a breastplate that says, you know what? Because of Jesus, I have been made the righteousness of God in Christ and I resist every thought, every feeling, every word that comes to me that try to tell me that I'm not worthy, that I can't make it because, see, we're not worthy without the breastplate we're not worthy without him in our lives but if you're a believer you have a breastplate you're supposed to put on and it will quench every fiery dart of the way the lord made you righteous it's not something you attain to when you got born again you received jesus as your lord and savior he made you right on the inside in your spirit but the devil will be right there saying you don't you don't no no you don't deserve this no we have mercy And we have the breastplate of righteousness. And we don't have to listen to the guilt and the condemnation. We can cast those thoughts down. And you need to cast them down and say, Jesus, thank you for your mercy. I know in my own self I don't deserve this. But because of you and you making me righteous, I'm coming for healing. I'm coming for deliverance. And believe he's good enough to do it. And you'll see a miracle. Just like Bartimaeus, just like the Syrophoenician woman, just like anybody else. Learn to resist the guilt and condemnation of the devil. And thank the Lord constantly for His mercy and grace towards you. It'll put you in a really good receiving mode next time you need something from the Lord, which will probably be in five minutes from now. (laughs) Right? We need need Him daily. We need Him every every minute. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the Donate tab.